0: Hello and welcome back to The Treatment with Dr. Rahi. Today I am interviewing my friend and colleague, Dr. Simran Rattan. Dr. Simran Rattan is based in Toronto, Canada, actually my hometown, and she is an inspirational physician leader, speaker, coach, entrepreneur, mother, and meditation teacher that is is impressive her areas of expertise include spiritual and mind body health women's health bioidentical hormones and optimization and prevented preventative medicine Dr. Ratan completed her Integrative Health Coaching Certificate and also a Fellowship in Integrative Medicine from the Andrew Weil Center of Integrative Medicine, and actually that's where we met. I also did a Fellowship in Integrative Medicine, and we have kept in touch since, and I am excited that she has recently come out with a meditation course um, that I am enrolled in, and um, we're going to talk to her today a little bit about her experience with meditation, why she started this course, and how she feels that spirituality is medicine.
1: Hi, Dr. Rattan. Hi. So I'm here with my friend, Dr. Rattan. She is an integrative practitioner out of Toronto, my hometown. Yes. And recently, she started a wonderful course on spirituality as medicine. And I am participating. I'm very excited about it. Uh,
2: (laughs) We're doing both meditation, right?
1: Yes. We both did the integrative medicine fellowship together. And that's how we met at the University of Arizona. And we've both been practicing integrative medicine. And um, today, we're going to talk about what is spirituality as medicine, what is meditation and how can we incorporate it into our lives? So my first question is, what is spirituality as medicine?
2: Oh yeah, so well, spirituality, I guess i say is medicine. So you know how you say food right. is medicine?
1: Yes, yes. Okay, right. So
2: I say spirituality is medicine. Right, And so no, spirituality as medicine, sure. You know, that's actually a good question too, because you are looking at how does the spiritual part of a person really get incorporated into medicine, right? And how do you even get into that? So what I say is spirituality in medicine or spirituality um, being a form of medicine is about that healing aspect, about really being able to connect to who you are, you know, what's really important to you, what gives you meaning in life, what gives you purpose in life. And a lot of times we think that that's actually something that we might already know but a lot of times when I go through um, you know questions with people they might understand that spirituality is something of a form of religion particularly but actually it's more than that it's you know for some people it does incorporate religion for others it doesn't at all it's about connection to the things that are meaningful to them to who they are their needs of their spirit is what I say
1: and would you say having some form of spirituality is important for any type of healing, whether you have you know, no chronic diseases or you, know, you have multiple chronic diseases. Do you think spirituality is an important factor in helping you heal?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because spirituality is um, really about you going within yourself and really knowing deeper of who you are, not just like, Hey, this is me. I'm Simran Ratan, And, you know, it's, it's about really understanding what my deeper held values are. And, and when you understand that and create it, the connection between your deeper values to the community to your relationships, um, the sacred moments that you have um, and understanding where that comes from. Well, that kind of gives you a, a ability to have more resilience. You know, there is um, an article by Koenig um, basically who says that if, it's like think 1200 reviewed um, Articles that they, they did 1200 review of articles and they showed that that those people who engage in things that are vital and sacred or a spiritual path live seven to 13 years longer. That's huge. Okay. Um, and have um, a increased in quality of life and have less incidence of chronic diseases. Like these are like huge in general. And that's like just really being able to connect to the things and having some sort of spiritual path, particularly.
1: Yeah. So spirituality has been around since the beginning of time. Like humans have always, you know, participated in some sort of ritual or some sort of like connection with sort of the greater, what would you call it? The oneness?
2: Yeah, the, I guess, you know, you can call it oneness. It depends on each person. So this is kind of where I really like to, to tell people, ultimately, you know, spirituality, there's two aspects. So we'll talk about kind of what generally I would do, and then also kind of my own personal, right? Um, and so, so one of the things is with generally, I would say spiritual is connecting to the thing that is most meaningful and purposeful and sacred to you it could be transcendence it could be whatever it could be um, it could be this universal oneness um, you know it could be a life force a um, you know something greater than the mind and the body particularly is what i say right um, so so that's kind of where where when you're talking about spirituality can you connect to that deeper self of who you are now you know for me personally that means for me me for my spirituality it's connecting to a life force a divinity a something bigger than just my mind and my body but at the same time i don't think of it as a person, so to speak there you go we have an animal today. <laughs> so it's, it's more than just it's just more than the mind and body
1: right and but traditional medicine when i went through med school and I'm sure when you went through med school, there's no course on spirituality. I mean, now this is like more of a newer concept. And when we did the fellowship in integrative medicine, we definitely learned that connection between mind, body, spirit. But when do you think traditional medicine is going to catch up and like start incorporating all of, you know, the... The importance of this into their practices.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a great question, Rahi, because one of the things is that, um, that spirituality definitely started from obviously we know from we've all even way before even religion came, we've all had that, that inquisitive mind of there's something greater than ourselves. We've always had that, right? And one of the things that um, when you bring it into medicine, particularly, it wasn't that it wasn't there. If you look back in the day, that's actually where they started, right? They started from a more spiritual approach and spiritualism. And then it went into um, into more like, it started, I guess, either diluting, if you want to say it, or it just started kind of getting out of the medicine saying that this is not real, um, where we're kind of like taking the values away. But now, there it's very big in palliative care um, you know palliative care uses spirituality very common so you have chaplains and people who you can ask in the hospital to come and talk to your patients now that doesn't mean that the um that it's been widespread and people still don't understand the value of spirituality but there is it is getting more incorporated into medicine and it is getting incorporated very much into palliative care so me as a prevention doctor right that's a huge difference for me because prevention it's like, well, nobody looks at it and, um, well, they there is, there's like public health and, and how spirituality and religion affect public health. And there's a really good book on that. But, but ultimately that particular, um, how do you incorporate it into prevention? Well, that's my interest particularly, and that's where, you know, learning, helping people just to even ask that one question in medical care, you know, what, what brings meaning to your life? What gives you joy? Or what are some of your deeper held values? Those are some of the things that I usually ask and people will, people are actually very open and receptive to being explored. In fact, they want their doctors and their health providers to explore that spiritual aspects of themselves. So, you know, we, although we say that medicine didn't um, have it in the beginning, it kind of did. It actually started from there and then it got kind of moved out um, and through here. Now it's gotten lost because I think we're kind of people, are, um, it's become more secular um, in the sense that they want, they don't want religion, so to speak, right. but they don't realize that there's a lot of people who held hold deeper beliefs and they may have come from a religion but no longer follow it, but still have those right. um, uh, values that they carry forward with it. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't grow up with religion and, um, my parents never practiced any religion. Um, and I know I'm like amongst like growing up, like my generation, it, it, it wasn't as common, but I know like the newer generations, it's more common for people to grow up without religion. Um, but I personally don't like the concept of the organized religion um but in growing up i would always either call myself an atheist or agnostic um but now as i'm getting older i call myself spiritual Mm -hmm. and i do believe in this universal oneness and i do believe you know in energy and spirituality but i definitely don't agree with the whole like concept of the organized religion i I feel that it's, it's created so much division amongst people and I. I come from uh, Iran, and we all know, I mean, we all know what religion has done to that country. So um, how do we separate spirituality from religion? And how do we still find community and, you know, spirituality within ourselves without religion? Like separate, like, how do we, how does someone who, someone who hasn't grown up with religion, how do they enter the realm of spirituality and connect, and connectiveness?
2: Yeah, so, you know, I think that one of the things is that really looking at uh, for your own meaning, right? So so when you're looking at community, even with me, whether I follow an organized or non-organized religion, or just basically follow a concepts and values that I have of spirituality, one of the things that I had found, and you know, I, I think you know this about me, right? I've read all the different scriptures of all the different religions. Um, and- yeah. um, yeah, and so you know, yeah. I did that, yeah, yeah. So, because and I did that because, because, um, my meditation teacher told me that there's this universal concept amongst them all that's basically is learning to let go and tap into that deeper self, right? That's yeah. that's the meditation I teach, right? Surrender, like, surrender to your deeper self and allow yourself to live from that space because that's where your true teacher lies within you right so trying to tap into that so when we look at that you know it's kind of like you're right we don't nobody likes dogma and i think that's the part of the religions that people get very turned away including myself and it's basically dogma right but yeah. when you look at the actual scriptures of the different religions actually where meditation comes from by the way the most most like the most oldest type of meditation is this like expressive like surrendered meditation out there right, right. and the problem was that they when when it, it, when you read the different scriptures there is this universal concept there now when we talk about universal oneness i'm just going to kind of do that a little bit universal oneness to me and even through the scriptural reading that i've done it's more about your connection with yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. And when you connect to yourself, then you're connecting to everyone. That doesn't necessarily mean, and because this is always becomes like something called spiritual bypassing where people say that, oh, we're all one, right? And then it's like, well, we're all one and therefore it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, a different color from you. Well, that's not true, right? Like, that's not true, unfortunately, in this world right now, there's no, there's no equal. Equal doesn't mean one. Right. So, so I'm trying to get that concept uh, out there that universal oneness is once you become one with yourself, tapping into that, then you become, um, uh, more aware of the things that are around you and therefore can actually be more ability to connect with other people. And I mean, from that deeper self, because we all ultimately in my belief, I believe that all is this life force that sustains us all. Um, and therefore we connect to that. So how do you find that community? I think the biggest way, and that, that's kind of your question, right? Like why, like, how do you find this community? Well, one of the biggest way to find that community to really first start with yourself and understand what your values are and what your beliefs are and then if you have this idea of like there's this one and you'll be a lot of people have this Rahi what you're saying like there's like there's universal I don't like dogma but I like this concept that we're all connected and that yeah. we're universal and then you've got to really look at that. and when you look at that then you find your community by by you know um, by trying things you know and seeing what suits your and, and, and that's why I do in the course that spiritual wellness vision right it's like it really tries to get into that deeper held values of yourself right
1: and and you believe that um, by connecting to this universal oneness you do this through meditation so um, what is what is meditation exactly <laughs> so so actually you know it's interesting because you know I'm
2: sure most other meditation um, uh, will have a definition of of i'll tell you my definition i'll tell you the definition of meditation is. so when people think of meditation they think of it as a um, practice to help you relax deeply relax this is i'm talking about more recently right back in the day is a different story what they thought meditation was about but what they think about it now is what, what they call traditional meditation now is basically being able to have a focus have a deeply relaxed state um and uh basically then move into the, you know, shut, get, get the thoughts don't bother you anymore. You have calm, peace, stress reduction. They have a mind body connection, but then they forget the spirit particularly right so it's been a bit like hey let's just talk about mind bodies and then it's been kind of removed to be used as a treatment therapy um modality which is nothing wrong with that because it does help a lot of people but that's kind of where it is now if you're going to bring into how what i think meditation is it's not actually what i think it's what i've read in what i've been taught through the scriptures and through the um through my meditation teachers that meditation prayer worship and even contemplation, the whole point of all of them is to get you to this deeper place, right? And it's supposed to get you to a place of peace, um, a deeply relaxed state. And when you do that, then you learn to um, basically be free free i guess of whatever is holding you back well i call that letting go right and so the, they've actually had this concept throughout where meditation does come from the scriptures is that it is and it comes so people have this idea it comes from buddhism but it actually comes even before that like it comes way before that right um and so it's it's actually about surrendering learning to let go and not surrendering meaning that you don't have control which is what most people have they get you know worried about that word surrender it's about letting go to that deeper self that spirit within you and letting it meditation being done from that place. So meditation, worship, and prayer to me are all one of the same thing. There's about learning to let go and surrender.
1: Right. And that's why um, you know, growing up, I've attended, I didn't necessarily read all the scriptures in depth, but I've read some scriptures of different religions. Um and I attended church, I've been to mosque, I've been to Buddhist temples, I've been I I did a lot of like Exploring, especially in undergrad I remember like I was in bible study at one point you know I would go to like different like religious ceremonies for like, I, I I mean you know um I remember going do you know Jainism yes, yes. I had a friend and we went on like a Jain retreat for a weekend together so I've, I've really explored religion a lot myself <laughs> and I remember anytime there was like any type of prayer you feel sort of a connection with everyone around you and mm-hmm. that's basically what meditation is right prayer prayer is a form of meditation but i obviously decided not to follow any of these organized religions um for many reasons but um meditation itself if we can isolate it away from like the traditional like religions itself what has science shown us that meditate like what is the science behind what meditation can do to heal our minds or just heal our bodies, like what's the science behind it? So you know, meditation. I mean, there's the problem. I mean, there's good. There's good stuff about
2: meditation. We can talk about like brain waves. They can actually like look at brain waves, and they still haven't decided. Um, uh, they can tell you that you go into a deeper brainwave, when we know that we go into a deeper brainwave, then you are in a much more relaxed state. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing with meditation is it's very hard to obviously empirically um, measure too much, like you can do blood pressure, so that it helps to decrease blood pressure. Um, you can do some of those like quantitative studies, but just actually look at it in a whole, it's more like a qualitative way really to look at this. I actually did, I don't know if you know this, I did in residency a qualitative study on meditation that I do. Um, and basically it was, and so it's easy, it's, I think you could do qualitative, which means like we looked at how they stressed before, or stressed after, but remember like this is not, um, you, you can't look at, su- it's like subjective in some ways too. So it's, you can not have a random controlled trial. It's very hard, I guess, to have a random controlled trial on meditation. But the su- research is showing um, the ones that are there are showing mainly that it does help with brain um, uh, functioning in the sense of there's neuroplasticity I think we had talked about before um, and basically that actually uh, shown to make you have new connections in your brain it helps you to um, have more calm uh, calmness it gives you um, maybe even decreasing your blood pressure as well uh, so you're looking at a, it it actually works with the cortisol because it does it triggers what's called that relaxation response so when you get into any and even this is mind-body therapies in general if you end up doing any sort of mind-body therapy it's the whole point of it is to trigger what's called a relaxation response where the stress response particularly is what, we're, what a lot of us are in adrenaline all the time and we're moving going 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 um, and the mind-body helps you to trigger that uh, relaxation response so that when you get into these stressful moments, you don't have those cortisol spikes as much because now your body knows how to do that. So, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of give you this is exactly what it does because there's, you can't say there's just hard evidence, even in mindfulness, they will say the same. We have lots of studies on mindfulness, but even then there, there's a few good studies, but the rest of them are, again, you know, they're just things that are like showing that this is what person felt and this is how it is as well.
1: So, so um, you were saying something about neuroplasticity and, um, that's basically my next question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, ever since learning about neuroplasticity, I've like focused on like trying to change my brain too. Yeah, and I truly believe that, um, you can change your brain and people can change. Mm-hmm. Um, what is neuroplasticity? It's like a, this new term that everyone's talking about.
2: Yeah. I don't, was, I don't actually talk about it too much, but <laughs> I will
1: talk so- about it. No, well, the only reason why—it's true though—you're right. Neuroplasticity is
2: changing like the way the networks in the brain work, right? Um, and uh-huh. developing new neurons. But that happens even with exercise, right? So if you learn a new exercise activity, if you learn anything new, you can change the way your brain thinks and habits. So that's why I went into—you know—I did the integrative health and wellness coaching from Andrew Weil. One of the biggest things I loved about that program was exactly that: if I can help people to feel inspired and motivated to 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 get into habit, well, habits can change your brain waves as well too, right? And they can help your brain—sorry, your, your the brain networking, right? So if if you do that if you create a habit then it sticks and then you create new brain um uh, i guess connections and that's really important the only thing i was going to mention though is you're right can you change your brain yes you can and the question is, is though, can you change your deeper held values um i don't think so is what i think right so you have to look at like there's a deeper held values but now you might have awareness where do you
1: where do you get these deeper held values from where does one develop them from
2: from, from childhood right? So a lot of, you know, you don't realize that a lot of your values come from the way when you're brought up, how, you know, even things that you've experienced in life, but, you know, a lot of them are, let say the first few years of your life are really important, right? Um, in, in yeah. Yeah, and so so you start to developing them there. Your you know parents influence you, then as you grow older, your friends will influence you, and yeah. the forward. But you know there are these deeper held values. What I this is a good way to know what your deeper held values is. Whatever really bugs you, like what's really your biggest pet peeve. It's so if you say like you know I really can't stand when someone does this. Well, think of the opposite because that's usually what to deeper held value.
1: I mean I agree, but I also. Don't agree in the sense that I feel like I've been able to change my brain so much, yeah, from where I was to where I am that mm-hmm. I, I believe that humans have the ability to really really make significant changes to oh, absolutely a lot yeah. of like that's behavior behavior habits um certain beliefs i I feel like that I've gone through all these changes um and even who I was, you know, a few years ago to who I am today, um, has changed significantly through a lot of the different things that I've done. And you're you're right—exercise, meditation, um, mm-hmm. and just you know, learning about the concepts and being aware of it was being aware of these concepts. I think also helps you make the changes. Yeah, knowing that you can. Yeah. I think that- um, yeah. So
2: I think I think there's like two different things. So I'm not saying that you can't change your brain and how you think about things because you can, right? Um, and that's where that's why it's really important. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a coach because I do believe you can change your perspective of things. But what I'm saying is um, a lot of times when uh, these deeper held values that you have of yours, those are a little harder to change because those are who kind of make up, you're driven by your beliefs and values. Now you can become aware of them and you can decide, okay, you know what, I used to believe this, but that may not be a deeper held value. So if you believe something, um, there's going to be some, no matter what, you're going to notice a trend in your life, maybe one or two or three that you're like, I just can't like, cause you know, this is your deeper held value, but changing, you're right habits habits are really important and you can actually change the way you think based on a habit but it doesn't mean that your values are
1: not you're, you're there they're still there so like a habit is smoking could yeah you, exactly. could you quit smoking through meditation
2: well you can quit smoking through many ways um you know so it depends on hypnosis is probably a good one to do it that way so if you'll yeah. get my body meditation yes depends on what kind of meditations you're doing um you know i can't i can't say that like like i have any study on that (laughs) so you know but but basically basically when you're looking at meditation um you know at least with the one i teach we talk about when you hit those deeper brainwaves, you can start from that deeper brain brain um, in that deeper state. And you can actually then tell yourself, which is what you're saying, that neuroplasticity, that I'm going to quit or those affirmations and putting along with going into those deeper brainways, then you can. So to me, smoking is not a deeper held value, so to speak, but it is a habit that you can break, right?
1: Yeah. Um, why do you think it's important for people to participate in a course in meditation?
2: Well, you know, I think the biggest thing with um, teaching um, meditation and participating in it is that you're going to get an ability if you're looking to like really connect to that spirit of who you are then definitely taking um, the meditation course that I have is, is is good for you now if you're just looking for mind body there's so many out there so you know in general if you're looking for mind body therapy it's going to help you with the things that we just talked about with getting you your brain a little bit more um, changing breaking out of habits um, and so does the meditation that I do as well but the difference is you're going to add an, a depth to who you are and understanding that deeper health value that connection piece sometimes I hear a lot of my friends who have done a lot of mind-body um, meditations or in general um, any other sort of um, yoga, or, yoga I like yoga too but you know in Tai Chi, I I'm a tai chi and I'm a Tai Chi person I'm a Tai Chi instructor right so so you're looking at like you know all those um, you know the, I, so people tell me you know you, I, I talk a lot about the spirit but it doesn't mean I don't take care of my mind and my body but I tell people too so, so they all come together but when you're doing mind body therapies you're doing meditation particularly you know there is one thing that I tell people is that you have to make sure it goes with your deeper health values but a lot of people don't know what those are still you mm-hmm. still don't have clarity around what our our spirituality is and and who we are and so so the meditation i teach is to bring that spiritual aspect to you to you have more clarity and understanding of who you are and then and there's no and and it's away from dogma like you said you know um, we don't want to um, have dogma we want to kind of get into that where meditation practices mind body if you want to get that you can get that from anywhere and taking an organized course and i think it's not just about a course it's really under knowing the teacher who's teaching it because You can go to a weekend course or even a six week course, become a teacher, and then now you're teaching meditation. Well, that's great, but if you're looking at, um, depending on what you're trying to achieve with that, one of the good things is looking for a teacher who's really qualified. Right, and you know, as you know, I've been um, teaching for over twenty years. I'm almost actually I should be almost twenty five now. So, so you know, that's something that you have to know because it's also experience through meditation that makes a difference. That connection, knowing how, what when you hear someone what's going on, how to help them troubleshoot throughout along the way. And I think we've kind of moved on. when People say when well, you're doing an online course, that means you don't get interaction. No, they do. They get interaction. That's why part of the course is to do it with us as well. Right.
1: So you feel that it. It's important to meditate, not necessarily on your own, but you also feel that um, for an important, an important way to strengthen your meditation practice is to Im- meditate with a group.
2: Yeah 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 well that's only because of uh, the fact that like you had mentioned too right when you come in together with the group you just have this and this is this is actually goes back to our understanding of human being human community is actually very important for us i mean we all know now with everything that's happened um, you know with the recent pandemic that that people are feeling lonely right and how yeah. that connecting uh-huh. Yeah. And having that connection to community, um, you know, my husband was just doing lifestyle medicine. He wrote my lifestyle medicine boards and he literally showed me one statement from his lifestyle medicine book that says, you know, social, which I agree, social connection and community is the, um, factor for longevity. I agree.
1: Right? I so think, yeah. Yeah. Being so, connected to others is so important. Yeah. And, um, so do you recommend if someone's starting out with meditation that they seek group meditation first, or solo meditation first, or how do you so i think it's kind of like
2: um it's it's a you know, preferably it's better that they do any meditation, right? So, um, you know, so if they start off with a meditation and doing a practice by themselves, that's that's a great That's a great way to start. Um, and then, and then starting to look at, you know, th- what I tell people is individual meditations are really good for you. They'll always be good for you. And if you think about it, if you're looking at it more from the aspect of this universal oneness, this universal life force within everybody, then when you add more pieces of that together, it's much more powerful. So almost like you you get uplifted even more with right. the community, particularly. But you don't. The, When I say community, that community could be, for example, if you and a um, friend meditate together, in right. way you know what I mean or if you and so if people don't people think they have to join like you said an organization so to speak well n- well you know the only the only good thing about joining someone who's been meditating for a long period of time is that they're probably I call it like a tuning fork in some ways right that they've been doing it for so long that when they when they're meditating with you you feel a very difference and that's how I felt when I meditated with my meditation teachers and people that when I meditated with um, him um, versus meditating by myself there was a huge difference in how I felt right but same thing with um, uh, you is that if you meditate by yourself it's not you're not gonna get better you're gonna get tons of benefits from it but you can only do that and I tell people remember community and group can also mean the people that are around you that are meditating with you and I always say you know it's something that you consider because that you know it's not about joining something but definitely that community and having access to an experienced teacher makes a huge difference in a lot of people's meditation journey or spiritual journey
1: right I used to when before COVID I used to go to this meditation studio in LA and it was great but Sometimes there'd be people that would like fall asleep, or <laughs> that was the only drawback to group meditations was like that one guy snoring. <laughs> that) <was Wait>. the- <laughs> Well, well, Rahi, wait till you um uh, you
2: have you have probably hitting that module soon then. So falling asleep is okay. So I'll tell you why. It's annoying <laughs> when there's a guy snoring and I'm trying to meditate next to him. Yeah. Yeah. So think of it think of this way. So meditation, so that's the thing. So as I tell people, meditation is meant to be, in my eyes anyways, <laughs> meditation is meant to be practical. So I should be able to, um, and that's why I teach standing, right? I teach you how to meditate and stand, stand and meditate. Yeah.
1: Because th- we would lie down and then there'd be like this guy next to me snoring and it was so distracting. <laughs> Well, well that's what I, well that's the point of well that's what i'm saying so
2: meditation will be practical you should be able to do it amidst the mo- like noise right i know so, so, i know so no, no no so what happens is that when you're doing the um so that's where when <laughs> you, you had to learn to let go so the the key to doing this is learning I to like let that. go. so when you start letting go in meditation if there's uh-huh. a noise walking talking eating sleeping, whatever you're doing you should be able to be connected to that deeper place within that one, yeah. within that life force within, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. so, um, and I say this because my, my, you know, I know a lot of people who will, in the beginning, in my meditations, that they fall asleep. I'm celebrating them, right? <laughs> and, then they're, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, because the deepest relate, and then we're talking about those brain waves. Mm-hmm. When you fall asleep, that's the time when we actually hit those deeper brain waves right when we fall asleep and now deeper deeper brain waves means that we get into this actually realm and when you look into the scriptures too they talk about sleep being very sacred you know um mm-hmm. and that we actually underestimate the how important i mean we don't i mean people know that being just sleep and all that stuff but i mean mm-hmm. the, the sacredness of sleep we actually uh, underestimate it and and why we do that is because we don't realize that when we go into those deeper states of consciousness that we are actually hitting these spiritual realms as well for ourselves right so right. that's kind of where it is so if you fall asleep in meditation they might be doing it right <laughs> Right. So, how, so how do we help you? And that's what I tell people. How do yeah. I help the people around them now to, to not get distracted? So that's, that's where the reason why it is, is because you're so probably busy. Um, uh, I tell people you're so busy concentrating on yourself and your method and how you're doing it, like whether it's breathing technique, whether it's this, and you're trying to, you're, you're so centered in yourself, you forgot to let go to that inner self. So, so it's kind of yeah. like, well, that, and that's why I, do, I don't do effort oriented meditation. I do effortless where I just let this life force do it for me, whatever happens, my meditation is being done. And I learned to trust and I've learned, I mean, so many years that, 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 this is being done by my spirit
1: for myself. In in yoga, they taught us about like the different stages in, of meditation and getting to that ultimate nirvana stage. Yes. Do you feel like you've achieved that?
2: Well, you know, um, I, I mean, I would probably say that, yes, I think I have. Right. And, <laughs> uh, and you know, I'm not saying that I'm like like this mo- like you know enlightened soul. i um, I do believe that I have received. Uh, I do definitely believe that I have an enlightenment that is definitely an honor for me to have um, by what I believe is the grace. Right. Um. Yeah. So so ultimately that that enlightenment is more about that connection to yourself, that that inner teacher, that true oneness with yourself. Right. And so I think I think um, one of the good good thing when we talk about nirvana enlightenment. It's not that the, you can do mind body. The whole point, and that's what I'm trying to say the whole point is mind body. You go from the body to the mind, to yeah. the spirit. Well, I'm saying let's do the opposite. Why are we going to, why are we trying to do difficult, to, um, you know, posture, which is what the scriptures say too, by the way, and, 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 and then, and then sit up with a straight spine and then suddenly out of nowhere, you're going to reach enlightenment. Well, mm-hmm. you will, but it takes time and it takes a long, it takes, it takes a longer time. But if you just go and ask, and you know, in a lot of, in, in, for example, even in the Bible, it's asking you shall receive, mm-hmm. you know, you ask, it's so simple. Just ask your true self within to do the meditation for you and you're going the opposite way, where the spirit or the soul or whatever is now doing the meditation, and it it influences your mind, things start changing, like you said, in your plasticity, your your habits start to think, you're like, I want to do this, I want to exercise, I start getting more improved with that, and the mind then, anyways, we know has an effect on the body, so it's kind of like a downhill run.
1: Yeah, I feel very meditative when um, I'm doing exercise or yoga, Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember I, I went to this Buddhist monastery for a weekend and they taught us walking meditations Mm -hmm. that was amazing too Uh, too, just you know really just walking and being present like observing every step observing everything around you um I how would you suggest someone who's just starting what would you suggest like they do for their first steps of meditation
2: so we've never
1: meditated before and this is like brand new to them and they're listening to this and they're like what are you talking about
2: so the first thing well you know i, I remember my the meditation i teach is very almost probably completely different from most meditations that are out there because i don't do sitting concentrating breathing so what, what do, i would recommend what do you doing, call your type of meditation so it's vibrant celestial meditation right? Ooh, i love that so it's, it's called Vibrant Celestial Meditation, and, um, uh, and, we, and basically what we do is um, just saying, I want you to learn to sit there and literally let go to that infinite self within, right? But um, if we let
1: go um, in our busy lives, you have like 5 million things running through our heads.
2: Which is fantastic, you know why? We, we, this is what, <laughs> what I say in my webinar too, which I, you know, um, uh, is basically that you can't grow flowers in sordid soil. And what I mean by that is that sorted, sorted soil. Yeah. So, so basically you can't, if the, if the soil is not fertile, you can't, Right, so but basically if you're looking at, yeah, so sort of, you have to get the junk out, right? So you can't grow beautiful flowers in sorted soil. And so what happens is is that you have to get that dirt out. And so one of the things is the thoughts will come flooding, especially in meditation. And that's okay, let them come. Um, Sometimes they can be overwhelming, sometimes they won't, and just let them come. But you know what, Um, I I used to get like that before my exams in medical school. I literally would um, get like, oh my God, oh my God. And I would sit down and meditate, all the thoughts would come out. And yeah. then the next day, I was in the whole week before I would feel so calm.
1: Yeah. Actually, you know what I would do right before um, exams in med school? Um, I found that if I stopped studying before my exam, went on the treadmill for at least like 30 minutes minimum, I would, and I actually like, I remember doing that. And then on exams, I didn't do that. I would always get higher grades on the exams that I would, before I exercised. Like well, that's actually that's really good. Exercise, yeah. we know. we know exercise. You know that book
2: Spark, right? It talks about exercising and then how they increase their ability to now focus on their um, work and yeah. as well too. So you know, the exactly same thing. Like I still believe it's not that I, I know we're talking a lot about meditation because we're focusing on meditation, but I still obviously we're integrative physicians, so yeah. so we, be- we also believe that you still have to take care of your body and your mind.
1: Well, well, what I'm trying to say is, for me, exercise has been a form of meditation. Yeah. It, that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. I've always been able to you know, find calmness. And, you know, sometimes I got to the point where sometimes it was working out twice a day because yeah. it helped my brain so much. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that was sort of my form of meditation, but I also appreciate the other forms of meditation because there's different types of meditation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel that, so you, so you, what your recommendation is to like sit there and just let all the thoughts just come to you and don't resist them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But if you're getting so overwhelmed and you really can't deal with it, then I tell people, because I say if you're doing chanting, because the whole point of the meditation that we teach is that we're trying to get rid of the I, right? Like, you, not get rid of it. I shouldn't say get rid of it. We want the I to be guided. So me, the me, the I, the ego, whatever you want to call it, right? We want it to be guided by this not unruly mind, but more by this um, life force, this divinity, whatever you want to call it. I say don't get hung up on words, right? Um, life force, universal oneness. Let it come I'm in like, that way for you right and so ultimately when you're you, you want to and this is like more and this is like very common in eastern um you know world is that this i this e you know we do that so we move it as we don't it feels like we move it aside well i'm like no you don't want to move it aside because we're not trying to get rid of it that's the thing because this is who we are we're trying to have it directed by this um a more precise um uh, life force that can see more clearly for uh with us because mm-hmm. we are one of the same but we don't realize that we think that we're different from the life force that's within us right so that's kind kind of where when you do that um then then you're doing the i and the me and then when it comes out it does so if you start chanting and you know we tell people you can start chanting just to help you kind of get into that alpha realm of brain but then you need to stop if you don't stop, you don't know, you don't hear, you don't, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen and you don't let it flow. And the whole point is to get used to those feelings and trusting that true din- divine inner self and that intuitive um, nature within you to do it for you. So w- when you get, yes, when you sit there, and you get all these thoughts, let them come. But if you're starting to feel a little bit too much overwhelmed with them, then we say, fine, if you want to bring yourself into a chant, just to um, grab feel it so you get rid of that feeling, that's fine. But in time, we're saying, try to let, let it come, let it come out because it, it's that junk. I'm saying it's like when you yeah. have a dirty cloth and this is actually what in one of the scriptures it says is when you have like a dirty cloth and you squeeze it first the yeah. dirty water comes out then the clean water comes out right yeah. so we have to like really cl- like cleanse I guess our our
1: our minds um uh, ability which we have because we've recorded so much in the subconscious so someone who's a novice how many minutes a day do you recommend them to start meditating so
2: at least 10 to 15 minutes okay it's not that long, more, you, know more, know more do. you don't actually. If you don't, if you, don't, if you don't, I'm sorry, sorry. If you don't, if you have enough, um, uh, if you if you have a potent meditation practice where you learn to let go, you don't need more, ever more than thirty minutes ever. So okay. so so if it's if it, think of it this way, if you're doing more than thirty minutes, it may it's actually you're you're it's more likely a mind body um, technique versus a a actual letting go technique.
1: Because Buddhist monks meditate all day, don't they? <laughs> I love that. Um, so you still practice medicine, correct?
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And um, how do you incorporate, you know, meditation into your medical practice? What, when your patients come, first of all, how lucky are your patients that they have a meditation guru teaching them, like helping them with their, also like their health. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: how do you incorporate your meditation into your sort of like treatment plan for your patients and do you recommend it to all your patients?
2: Yeah, yeah, so that's actually a great question. So what I do is um, my very first, um, this is where I'm very grateful for doing the coaching program that I did, but I basically my very first, um uh visit with a person is actually i coach them so um i don't i don't do the whole medical i do medical history too but it's like you know i don't do the whole medical history i actually have someone i first do the coaching process of it first so the med the the coaching process is i actually ask them things like i I explore their spiritual health first that's the first thing i do so again like how i teach meditation soul mind um body
1: do you do sorry to interrupt but do you treat like all like diabetes that's out of control hypertension because your family um, i'm
2: I'm prevention actually i'm in prevention now so i mainly i do i do definitely obviously i treat diseases i treat diseases meaning like i I take care of diseases right i don't want to say so I say that because we look at what I do is prevention. So I did, as a family doctor, I obviously did all that stuff. But now as an right. integrated um, uh, family physician, I, what I do is I look at people come to me because they, they have health goals. They want uh, in a year from now, get, um, you know, um, they're, they're, everything's, they're feeling they're feeling like they're not feeling as well like low energy um they may have obviously diseases that come with them when they come like you know so they want to get to their optimal health so that's why they come and seek me out um and they want to do an integrative approach the body the mind and the spirit and so when we do the first coaching call i get to know who they are as a person um you ask me what what do they really love to do what brings them joy um you know i ask them you know what are they proud of so i really go into this coaching thing once i know that and this is where that comes to that question that you're talking about i spend about um, half an hour sometimes an hour with them Just to kind of uh, understand who they are as a person, and then um, once I get that, you know, we discover sometimes value conflicts that are really the mm-hmm. like values that are um, conflicting. Um, I have a tissue box in uh, in my office, although now with COVID, I just tell them to pick up their own tissue box in their house, right? But basically, you know, I mean yeah. the tissue box because they discover themselves and they feel a little bit emotional because they see things. Um, and yeah. then, then um, they go, "I'm so sorry, I'm crying." I well, know don't worry, I'm used to it. I make everyone cry <laughs> <I laughs> on so, my <make> everyone cry <laughs> in a good way." So I like, "So, so, so, so." And and then, and then, um, and then uh, they, and then with that, this gets to your question, like after I've done that, then they, uh, then I look at, okay, I look at what's called their spiritual health. So there's this, there's this thing called FICA by Dr. Pulchelsky. Uh FICA is a, um, is assessment, like kind of a history, like a history of a spiritual history. And I yeah. look at that and I ask them, you know, it basically stands for faith. Importance, uh, community, and how do you how do they, how do I want to address it and care? But basically, I kind of look at faith as more of a question. I ask things like, what are your deeper health values? Do you have any philosophy of life or view of life um, that yeah. you very important to you? Do you have a spiritual practice or religion? I used to ask, are you spiritual or religious? And you know, some people say none, right? But then I'd be like, no, everyone has a spirituality to them. They may not even recognize it because it's, when they start right. talking and you ask them their deeper values of like, well, I really enjoy connecting to nature. I, that's my place. Like well, that's your spirituality, right? right. So, so, so there's come things like that. So I do that, then I look at, okay, knowing that, now I know what mind body, recommendations to give out. So, you know, some people say to me, you know, for example, nature, we're going to, we're going to prescribe them something that's more in line with their values, because more likely they will create a habit uh, over that. Where if I do something um, where I say, okay, just do my meditation, well, that may not be in line with their values. So why would I recommend that? But I do say that, you know, me and Dr. Knipping, who's another um, uh, physician in mine, we both, we both teach meditation. So they have that uh, um, option to learn from one of us if they would like to.
1: So you do prevention, but what about those patients that have chronic diseases that want to heal their diseases? Um, do you still see them and have you been able to follow and see what meditation has done for their physical medical problems? Like high high blood pressure, even cancer, things like that.
2: Yes. So, you know, with ours, specifically in my clinic, um, Because now, Rahi, I really actually have moved into more prevention. It's not that I don't see chronic diseases, but we do do chronic diseases. We actually—I mean, obviously, you can't measure meditation, but we can measure things like the GAD, which is the anxiety score, the depression score. So we do notice a decrease in that if they're doing the mind-body therapies that we've given them or the meditations that we've given them, versus and even just the exercise regimens and all other stuff that we do. So we can measure that, and there is—we've always seen improvement with all our patients with all this. So, so it's—it's of course, but don't forget, it's not—it's everything. It's integrative. It's hard not just taking one section and looking at just one section of the care we're looking at the full approach and we're looking at how when we give them certain things um how it works so basically yeah you're looking at people's like um blood uh, just markers dropping inflammation markers so we follow inflammation yeah. that goes down too right, right.
1: So and a- we all know that the beginning of disease is inflammation like the root of disease is inflammation whether it's diabetes or anything um a, a lot of disease begins with inflammation in the body yes um that's so great.
2: Um, uh, I, I guess I can't say it's specifically um, one or the other, but I'd say definitely with meditation, I've noticed people um, uh, noticing that they're able to let go. The pain goes down. I've heard a big one with pain. pain. yes. Pain is huge. So they tell yes. me that they're no longer feeling the pains that they're getting, the aches, the pains. They're, they're telling me that their anxiety is a lot less. They're no longer having depression. So yeah. the, and then we, again, those things, at least we can score on the, um, on, on the assessment. So those are more quantitative, yeah. quantitative but yeah. You do see a
1: difference. Yeah, well, I'm really happy that your practice has moved towards more integrative and prevention. That must be fulfilling for you. It no, it's amazing. And yeah. I understand like, how I was doing a lot of hospital work and it just wasn't fulfilling. And now doing what I do is so much more fulfilling. I feel like I'm helping people more. Yeah. So do you feel like, I mean, I feel like I'm living my passion. Do you feel like this is, this is what you're meant to be doing?
2: Yeah. So, you know, um, medicine, definitely, calling. <laughs> um, my, my calling is, is, I feel my calling is to definitely spread, um, uh, and help people ignite that spark within them, um, and, and help them to, to really gain a more spiritual connection to themselves in the sense yeah. Of recognizing that they all have it, right? Um, and that they can move in there. While integrative medicine, I love it and I do it definitely. Um, I think my passion and my my love for life is teaching people how to basically become their infinite self.
1: Right? I love that. That's really important. And I feel like being a physician, I was talking about this with my friends yesterday, how um some people find their life calling, you know, like, like the piano prodigy who like starts at the age of four, um, or, you know, like the ballerina who starts at three or something, but with doctors, sometimes it's harder to really figure out what our true calling is. And I feel like it took me like years to really figure that out, you know, exploring different areas. And finally I'm like, okay, this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm happy I'm at that place in my life. Yeah. happy that you're at that place in your life. <laughs> um, I think those are all my questions. I, I'm really happy that we were able to talk.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to
1: complete your course, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, it's, it's, it's our crazy busy schedules, which is exactly why I need it. Yeah. My crazy busy schedule. I'm like all over the place, but um, I, that's why I need this.
2: You know what? something that stuck with me in our integrative medicine, which I really right. love, is stop practicing busyness.
1: Oh, I know.
2: And start looking at it as something else. You know what I mean? It's a perspective change. So I try to not use the word busy.
1: <laughs> I like that. I need, to, I need to get that out of my vocabulary, busy.
2: Yeah. So what when, do you use instead? When, when I say, are you too busy? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not too busy. Um, I will find some time but at this time I would, I'm unable to do it today, but I, but I, don't, say, I don't like to say I'm too busy.
1: <laughs> I like that, but I will find the time. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thank you for talking with me.
2: Oh, I'm so good to catch up with you too.
1: <laughs> and um, we will, what's your Instagram by the way, so that anyone yeah. who's listening can follow you and how do they you know, learn more about your course?
2: My Instagram is at md, and my um, uh, spirituality medicine that I just started as well is at Sim Spiritualities medicine. Um, and I, if you're looking to look at the course, um, you're looking to go to spirituality as medicine program uh, forward slash free training, but you can find that on my Instagram.
1: Nice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Take care.